Now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We're continuing our eight-part series on mental health and mental illness. What we're going to discuss today is that when one suffers from a mental illness or poor mental health, they often self-medicate, i.e. they have a problem with substance abuse and or addiction uh, that is often a symptom of a root cause. Examples of this are throughout history. People like Sigmund Freud, who battled his depression with cocaine. Vincent van Gogh, who struggled with addiction as well with, because of his depression. Charles Dickens was killed by opium, would self-medicate with that. Thomas Edison self-medicated with cocaine. Edgar Allan Poe was believed to have drunk himself to death to handle his demons. Ernest Hemingway obviously had the same challenges with depression and alcohol. Ben Franklin, one of the fathers, uh, founding fathers of the United States of America, had an opioid addiction. Philip P. Dick, the writer of uh, such short stories that were turned into screenplays like Blade Runner and Total Recall, an addiction to amphetamines. Robin Williams, of course, even in, in entertainment, there are many, many examples of it in entertainment. Robin Williams being one who battled his depression with cocaine. Elvis Presley, Marilyn Monroe, Kurt Cobain, Robert Downey Jr. Even great, great writers like Coleridge struggled with opium addiction to handle his bipolar disorder. Other writers include Stephen King. Political leaders like Winston Churchill battled with their depression by using alcohol and amphetamines. Howard Hughes was believed to have died as from an overdose of codeine uh, as he was abusing it to handle his chronic pain. In short, 50% of, of individuals that have a severe mental disorder are affected by substance abuse. 37% of people with an alcohol problem and 53% of people with a drug substance abuse problem have at least one serious mental illness. 29% of all people diagnosed as mentally ill abuse alcohol and or drugs. Of course, this abuse makes mental health disorders worse. Alcohol uh, increases depression and anxiety. Marijuana and methamphetamines can cause prolonged psychotic reactions. But the positive news is that because of advances in medicine and education, we're in a much better position to help people with these issues and maybe even stop these issues with some individuals before they begin. So to that end, we have in our studio today David Moran, CEO of Mental Health Partners. Mental Health Partners is an organization that helps corporations as well as other organizations in mental first aid. David is a father of two, a grandfather to two, and has a passion for helping others. He owns and manages a family business in mental health education. He has over 40 years experience in running small businesses in South Australia from being an owner-operator up to a national and international company director. 
David has trained over 3,000 people in mental health and has used his mental health skills to save the lives of many South Australians. He has certificates in mental health first aid, senior first aid, small business management, information technology, recruitment, and hospitality, as well as franchise management. David, thank you again for being in our show today. Oh, thanks, uh, Matt. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I'd like to, if you could talk a little bit about the link between mental illness and or drug and alcohol addiction. Yeah, so it's a really interesting area. What we know is that anxiety is the most common mental illness, followed by depression and then substance misuse. Substance misuse, there's about 5.1% of the Australian adult population population experience substance misuse in any one year. So if you're talking in round numbers, you're talking somewhere around 2 million people in Australia. And we often say that these things go together. In your introduction, you gave a great appraisal of how substance misuse really does tend to be gathered in with other mental illnesses. And The truth of the matter is that most people start using substances as a support because it works. People don't start using things because they don't work. They start using them because they do work. And in the very, very short term, a person, say, living with anxiety, will get some relief of their symptoms by using, let's say, alcohol. And that is true. They start using it because it works. What percentage of people worldwide have a problem with drug and alcohol addiction versus Australia? Yeah, so I know the Australian figure is 5.1. I know that in America it's slightly higher. In other Asian countries it's slightly lower. Across Europe it's you know, much higher, which is unfortunate. But I don't have a worldwide figure to hand, so I'd just be making it up as we go along. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for people here in Australia, you use 5% Mm -hmm. of everybody, every adult, you see 5% of those people will be experiencing a substance misuse issue this year. This year. And what about in their lifetime? Yeah, so double that for the lifetime. Mm. So if we say that we know there's around about 20% of people who experience a mental illness in any one year and it's 47% in a lifetime, but substance misuse, that's 5% any one year and about 12% across a lifetime. Now, if you're an uh, a person of another culture, say Aboriginal culture, you can double that again. If you're a person of a mid-European culture, it's not quite double, it's about half again. If you're a person from an Asian culture, Japanese, Chinese, Vietnamese, Taiwanese, those sorts of Southeast Asian cultures, then it's less than half of the adult Australian population. So it is quite different as we go around, but yeah, if if we look at the figures, it's yeah, it is not only five point one percent of our of our adult population experiencing that every year, but that equates to, and we get this information from the police reports, 
alcohol and other drugs equate to 90% of the violence that's perpetrated in Australia. Wow. So 90% of the violence that's perpetrated in Australia is directly linked to drug and alcohol abuse. Yeah, and we get that from the police reports. Because wow. Police are the agency most often called to a violent event. And when that event is finalised and the police are no longer involved in that event, they have to fill out the paperwork. And the paperwork has various options for them to say what are the contributing factors to the reason this event started in the first place. And we know from those reports that 90% of the violence in Australia is related to alcohol or another drug-related substance. Wow. What about addictions such as gambling and sex addictions? How do those tie into mental illness, David? Yeah, so I don't have any information at all on sex addiction because that is not an area Mm -hmm. that I have any study in. I don't educate in it, so I don't have any figures in that. So I can't Mm -hmm. help in that area, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Gambling addiction, I can certainly talk to you about. And another thing that a lot of people are starting to see is not so much gambling, but gaming addiction. I know a particular person who was spending up to 20 hours a day gaming, using internet, multi-role player gaming Mm -hmm. as a way of blocking the rest of the world out. Mm -hmm. Now, if we're just talking about gambling addiction, then you're talking about 2% of the the adult population in Australia have a gambling addiction. But the problem is that that 2%, the, the trouble and strife that that causes those people is excessive compared to other things. So a person with a gambling addiction is normally using it to cope with some, something else. So they've got all of those problems, but then they destroy their lives financially and socially. Because a person with a gambling addiction doesn't just use all their money to service that. They use all their money plus every other piece of money they can get hold of. And normally that then brings in other members of the family, friends, and it destroys relationships, it destroys families, and it's an absolutely chronic disease. And gaming addiction can be the same because there are games, believe it or not, on the internet that you can play today where you can gamble on that game or it costs you a certain amount of money to play that game. And they're all insidious and they do. They wreck personal lives, they wreck relationships and and so on. It's absolutely awful. And it's an extremely difficult and specialty-focused area where those people involved in that are going to need extremely specialised help to enable them to recover from that addiction. So is what you're saying that gambling addiction, as far as the social aspect of it, is worse than a drug addiction? Because, I mean, wouldn't, say, a heroin addict or a cocaine addict have the same behavior where they're stealing from family and friends to feed their addiction? They can no? do. But it's yeah, just not as, but that's yeah. not as much? Or what, what's... We, 
Yeah, we, we know that with heroin, because it's so expensive mm-hmm. and it's so addictive, heroin's only used by about 0.1% of the, percent of the population, mm-hmm. but it is highly, highly addictive. In other words, those people that use it are, tend to use it in large amounts very consistently and over long periods of time because it is so addictive and it's extremely hard to stop. So whilst it's only used by a small number of our community, it's the drug that's most associated with crime, financial stress, family stress, social stress. And then as you move up the illegal drug use as they get more common because they're less expensive, people can fall into those same social pressures of uh, stealing, theft from friends, family and so on, but it's not so associated because those Mm. drugs are not so expensive. Hmm. Okay. Well, I've never thought about it that way. So basically, and maybe this is a crude or offensive statement, but... Basically, as far as the family's concerned, it's better off if the person is a uh, you know has a, a cocaine habit versus a gambling habit. Um, that person's going to um, destroy well, the relationships. We wouldn't use the term worse. Yeah, look, I, I mean, both understand. are horrible. But I'm saying, but yeah. it's I, I never considered g- a gambling addiction as you know this huge family destroying. Uh, Uh, I mean, I can understand how it could be financially, but not as big Mm. as uh, something like a heroin addiction or something like that. And the thing is that most people, when they face somebody who's got an addiction, if if they've got even just a small piece of information about it, they can see that it's the drug causing the problem. Mm. But if somebody's got a gambling addict in their family, mm. then all they do is blame that person. Oh, okay. And that actually makes it worse. Oh, I see. Okay. So there's a lot more empathy for someone with a drug or alcohol condi- condition yeah. than there is for somebody I wouldn't say there's a lot of empathy, but there's I mean, a more lot empathy more. for yeah, people yeah, with, yeah, yeah. yeah, more empathy oh, okay. sometimes for people using drugs than there is for people gambling. Well, that's so actually I'm, a segue of what I'd like to discuss next. But first, we have to hear some words from our sponsors. Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your experts in all things coffee. Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert Street in the city. Mention Radio Dalia Uno and you will receive a free 250-gram bag of freshly roasted coffee beans. You can also shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au where you'll find our large range of premium roasted coffee beans, coffee machines, accessories, hot chocolates, teas and lots, lots more. I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things caffeine. I'm Anna Faruja of Chapel Funerals. My role as a funeral director is to guide you through the emotional process of saying goodbye to someone you love. I'm here to help you make all the necessary arrangements so that you and your family may have peace of mind and time to remember and celebrate the life of the person you've lost. When the time comes, I'm here for you. So please call me, Anna Faruja, at Chapel Funerals on 81825100.
Hi, this is David Heath, and I'm excited to be bringing my program Soundtrack of Your Life to Radio Italia Uno. Join me Friday nights at 7 for interesting guests, some great music, and plenty of fun. It's the best way to kick off the weekend. Soundtrack of Your Life, Friday nights from 7 until 9 on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. piace la musica? Hai voglia di metterti in gioco? Entusiasmo e personalità non ti mancano? Radio Italia 1 sta cercando te. Chiama l'82 123177 e anche tu avrai la possibilità di entrare a far parte del nostro team. Radio Italia 1, diamo voce alla tua voce. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello, we're back with uh, David Moran, CEO of Mental Health Partners, which is an organization that works with companies as well as other organizations and trains them in mental first aid. David, in the last session we talked about you made the point that a gambling addiction in some cases can be even more damaging uh, to a family and relationships of the person with the addiction than even a, a drug addiction because of the lack of empathy towards that person with the gambling addiction. Uh, as yeah. Sometimes people can say, okay, it's not really my son, it's the heroin or, or, or whatever. But mm. they, they don't do that when it comes to something like gambling uh, as much. Yeah. So if you want to expand on that, and then after that, I'd like to talk about what you would say to people who, you know, know someone or have someone in the family or a friend or whatever that has an addiction and says, well, they're weak, they did this to themselves, and, you know, just have no time for them at all. Yeah, and I think really those two things are are pretty intrinsically tied up together. I I should mention that I do actually have an alcoholic in my family. I've I've had to go through this myself, and I've you know treated him poorly, and you know to his and my own detriment, those things didn't help. But the things that do help is, and it doesn't matter what what the addiction is, whether it's alcohol, whether it's cocaine, heroin, gambling, gaming, it doesn't matter. What the person who's trying to help has to do as an absolute starting point is put all your prejudices, all your biases away and go, what is my actual goal here? I'm trying to understand this person and you have to approach every single conversation with I'm trying to understand because quite frankly the person with the addiction and it doesn't matter what type it is probably is trying to understand it themselves and one of the worst questions you can ask somebody with an alcohol addiction or a gaming addiction is why do you do it? because they probably don't know. If they sit back and go, oh, why do I do this? They probably can't answer that question themselves. So we we encourage people not to ask why questions. Ask, how does it feel? What is going on when you do that? 
can you explain it to me? I'm trying to understand it. And let the person think about it. Now, if the person's been using the substance for a while, as my son had when I asked him those questions, he'd been using for about six years, he's not going to be able to answer those questions in the first five minutes. So you have to approach it with, I'm on a journey here. I am starting a process of trying to assist. And I might have to ask these questions many times until the person hears that I'm just trying to understand. And about six years after my son and I had our first breakthrough about his addiction, he said to me, even when ready to, to have a conversation and not ready to, to talk, he heard every word I was saying. And he described it to me like, Every time I came and I said, I just want to try and understand, I'm not judging you, I just would like to hear from your point of view what's going on, he described that as every time I did that, I added another brick to a set of steps that's climbing up to a very, very high wall. And every, every step he got to just climb up it, climb up it and eventually he could see over the wall to the side where he could see people are just trying to help him and the way I explain it to people is to say to them you don't know which brick you're putting in that staircase it might be the first one it might be the last one it might be a hundred that go in the middle but keep putting the bricks in the staircase and eventually that person will see that you're just trying to understand them and they'll be able to talk to you about it. I hope that explains it in something that sounds real. I, I, I think that's awesome and how to talk to them. But I'd like to dig a little bit into getting other people's mindsets, you know, for so. Sure a family member or a friend or whatever isn't going to be able to have those conversations at all if they are convinced that, you know, this person's weak, they did it to themselves, yeah. and so on and so forth. And, yeah. and you've mentioned before, you know, you have to put all your prejudices and your preconceived notions aside. And, you know, that's true in any relationship, in any negotiation or whatever, if you want to get whatever goal that you're trying to accomplish. But, you know, if it's a family member or a friend, uh, you're not, you might not be saying, okay, my goal is to help this person out. You hmm. might just be like, what the hell are they doing? Why can't they, yeah. you know, pull their socks up? Yeah, I, mean, not, I shouldn't right, have to, why should I even have to, I mean, the person might even be in the mind frame of why would I even need to have this discussion with this person? They know better. They've hmm. done it to themselves. Yeah. So yeah. How, how do you get people pat to the hump where, you know, they can be open-minded to try to help out other people? Yeah, and look, this is a difficult part. It really is. And I struggled with it myself. And I can tell you that the, the thing that helped me through was I kept going to people that I trust and saying, am I doing my best here? If I'm using this kind of language, if I'm asking these types of questions, is that the right thing to do? I got help from an organisation here in Australia called Family Drug Support Service. 
Now, that sounds like a service that's going to help people who are using drugs, but in fact it's not. Their sole goal is to assist people like me or other people who have people with addiction in their lives. It's a service that's just interested in helping those people understand about addiction, understand the frustration that you're going to face. And um, when I give these talks professionally, I, I say to people, if you've got somebody with addiction in your life, you're going to need patience that you don't know right now that you've got. And the only way you're going to find that patience is to get help from others. Now, that other person that's going to help you might be a person like me, a first aider. It could be a professional in a service like Family Drug Support Service who can just talk to you and say, you're still doing okay, keep trying. You're not at the end yet. That's still worth persisting because it's awfully frustrating you know, to watch your own son deteriorate into addiction and see you know, the messes that get created, to have him released from jail, to see cars wrecked. You know, these are not nice things that happen to these people and you're going to need people to support you. And those services are available. The one that I've already mentioned, Family Drug Support, is 100% free. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they're there to support you. But most people don't know that these services exist. So, you know, I guess the biggest tip that I can say, Matt, is if you've got somebody with addiction in your life, try to put all your prejudices away Try to put your own feelings aside and decide, I need to just hear from them their perspective of what's happening. And if I feel myself getting frustrated, annoyed, or I think I'm going to say the wrong thing out of just anger some days, find people who can support you because you'll need it. You will need that kind of level of patience. Um, to get through it because one of the most common things is that a person with addiction, their family are the first people to give up on them or to, to leave them to it or you know, however you want to call that. And then their friends follow very, very quickly after that. They go, there's no point. He's never going to change or she's never going to stop this. So we're just going to stop trying. And the the reality is that help from family and friends is the strongest indicator that a person will recover from addiction. Mm. That's a, that's a very important point. So you're saying that help from families and friends is the number one determining factor in the person yeah. making a recovery. Yeah, it's the strongest indicator. Mm-hmm. If the family and friends of the person can stick in and say, yep, we're going to keep trying, it's the strongest indicator that somebody will start to recover from addiction. Let me make now, sure. Let me let me clarify that I understood you correctly on what you were saying before. Sure. So what 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 you're saying is is you're not really going to be able to sell yourself on on the fact that you know 
if you have these feelings where you're in your head, you're like, this person's weak, they did it to themselves, you know, they should know better, you're not going to sell yourself off that. What you basically have to do is you have to go find uh, a support group or somebody else that can coach you and just say, listen, this is what you need to say, turn off your emotions yeah. and handle it in this manner. That is that basically yeah. what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, that. If you think you can find that within yourself, um, great. But I would say that you're going to need support. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm right now supporting half a dozen people through this journey, and you know, I have supported many more in the previous years, and I'll support many more in the future years. And there's lots of great services out there who, you know, are prepared to help people because it is, it's a, it's an absolute terrifying, strenuous and long journey that people are going to be on to recover from addiction. Yeah. All right. Well, with that point, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to hear from our sponsors. Yo, ciao, Armando Paradiso from Unique Stone, delivering quality stone tops to South Australia for over 20 years. Granite, marble, Caesar Stone, Unique Stone, granito, marmo, Caesar Stone, Unique Stone. Thinking stone bench tops to your kitchen, bathroom, or furniture? Unique Stone at Jacobson Crescent, Holden Hill. Call us now, 82. Double six, double two, eight zero. Unique stone. We won't be beaten. Come on, che stai facendo? Yo, chiama adesso. Thinking of painting this weekend? Time to freshen up a room or two. With 30% off paint, it's time to visit Crowies. But you'll have to be quick. Sale ends this long weekend. Better get to Crowies because at Crowies we know paint. Sales exclude timber, industrial, aerosol and specialty products. Not valid with any other offers. Only available at Crowe's Campbelltown. Hello, I'm Peter Salerno. Please join me on Happy Business Radio every Monday 2 to 3 p.m. on Radio Italia Uno. We have lots of fun with very interesting guests. We talk about how to start, build and increase your business. Happy Business Radio on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Radio Italia Uno. Sito internet www.italiauno.com.au Seguici anche sulla nostra pagina Facebook e Instagram. Radio Italia Uno. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. I'm here with David Moran on the phone. He is the CEO of Mental Health Partners, which is a company that works with organizations and other companies to provide mental health first aid training. And in our last session, David brought up the point that the number one key indicator of potential success for somebody with an addiction is the support of their family and friends. So with that being said, David, what would you 
say to the family and the friends where they get to the point where they're just at their wits end and they think that it's time for tough love and to say, listen, don't ever come here again. I'm never talking <laughs> to you again. Uh, you're not my son or, you know, I'm not loaning you any money. I have to cut cut you off to for your own good, these kind of things. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Look, Matt, I've been there. I, I have said those things to my son. I remember one very, very dark day standing in the hallway of my own house telling my son he was useless and a waste of space and I never wanted to see him again. But the truth is, it wasn't true at the time and it hasn't ever been true. I was just extremely frustrated and people get that way. So what I'd say to people is, if you've said these things, if you've felt these things, if you've heard yourself saying these things out loud or even just to yourself, be honest about it. I've just told you I've done it. I've been there. Now, I have a wonderful relationship with my son now. Is he still an alcoholic? Yes. But is he on a journey to success? Yes. But is there frustrating days? Yes, there's been very frustrating days just in the last month. Will there be great days? Yes, there's been great days in the last month. You've got to accept that you're on a journey. And anybody that's been in that position, I'm, we're not here to judge you. It's happened. You can't change it. Be honest about it and say to yourself, can I ever see a relationship with that person ever again? If the answer to that is yes, then there is ways of working towards that. I've already given a couple. Talk to others in your life. You know, let your steam off towards them. I'm sure they can take it. If they're good family members, good friends in your life, they can take a little bit of steam letting off. If you don't have anybody like that in your life, go and see your GP. Let off steam to them. I've shouted at my GP about my son's addiction and he just says, yeah, just tell me more. I can take it. Find an organisation like Family Drug Support and say, you know, I'm going to ring them and just see if they can you know, offer me anything because they can. They certainly helped me. They helped me understand my own feelings. They helped me understand that I'm just a normal guy. To have feelings of anger and frustration about these things it's just normal. That's not unusual. You're allowed to have those feelings. Find information about what substance misuse is. And this was one of the key turning points for me, was once I started to study what alcohol addiction actually is, is people think it's just a person who drinks too much. That's not what alcohol addiction is. Alcohol addiction addiction is a disease and it affects the person in every single part of their life. It affects them emotionally, it affects them physically, it affects every part about their decision making processes and it is a real illness that needs real treatment. And once I educated myself about it, I could I could easily stand in front of my son when he was extremely unwell and extremely um, intoxicated and go, I am not talking to my son. I'm talking to an illness 
and I need to treat it that way. And it allows you to put all your biases away and just let the right decision-making come out. And some of those decisions are putting in boundaries about the sort of behaviour you're going to accept. Because one of the other things that we know is associated with abuse is um, aggressive behaviours. Most of the aggressive behaviour in Australia is related to drugs and alcohol. And if people are becoming physically abusive, you you don't have to put up with that. You can put in boundaries around that. Um, You don't have to just go, oh, well, I can't take the abuse, so I'm not going to deal with that person at all. You can segregate the abuse off and say that is never going to be tolerated, but I still want a relationship with the person. So Um, what what do you say? Extremely difficult. I'm sorry. So what do you say to people that say, you know, it's not an addiction. The guy drinks too much. I mean, I mean, excuse me. It's not a. It's not a disease. I mean, addiction is not a disease. He drinks too much. He's addicted to it. It's not a disease. He did this to himself. You know. I mean, what do you say to people that have that attitude or feel that way? Yeah, I say please find some trusted sources of information. Now, in Australia, that's not hard to do. You can go to ADF, which is Australian Drug Foundation, or ADIN, Australian Drug Information Network. They're both really, really good sources of information. If you can't find those sites, you can just start at Beyond Blue or any of those recognised sites that everybody knows, and they've all got sections that will refer you to specialist alcohol and drug services and actually get real information based on facts and evidence about what these conditions are. Stop going, oh, yeah, I saw him drink, then he acted like this, so I know it's just the drinking doing it. This is not a way to diagnose somebody. If somebody was hobbling around your house bleeding all over your carpet, you wouldn't go, well, I saw him with a knife 10 minutes ago, so it's obvious he's, he stabbed himself. He did it to himself, so I'm not going to help. That's just not the way humans behave. But unfortunately, with mental illness and especially addiction, we make all these assumptions that we know how this happened, why it happened, how the person did it to themselves, and we base our actions on that. And it's completely wrong and completely unhelpful. So my strongest piece of advice would be go and educate yourself about what these illnesses actually are so Mm. that you can start making decisions based on facts and evidence rather than just your own thoughts about what might be going on. Suppose you're a person listening that has an addiction and maybe it's a person listening who has a loved one or a friend that has an addiction. Sure. But either case... How do you get someone who, you know, knows they have a problem, would like to fix the problem, but it's like, oh, uh, you know, I know I should, you know, stop doing heroin or stop doing cocaine or stop gambling, but I, it's just too hard. I can't, you know, or I can't be bothered or kind of like the person that knows they need to lose weight because they've got diabetes, but just won't do it. You know, um, how do you... 
you know, how do you get somebody to where they need to be to to heal themselves? Yeah, and look, we have to be very, very careful of our language here, Matt. Yeah, I, I knew you wouldn't like is, that, but I mean, it, at what point, because that was going to go to a next, another question, at what point does the individual take responsibility? Yeah, you know? sure. Because ultimately, so, we all have to do yeah, these things ourselves. And again, I, the reason I said we have to be careful of our language, because if, if the question is, how can we make somebody do something? Mm. The answer is we can't. Yeah, of course. You and I cannot make other people do things. That's just the reality. How can we help the person? That's a different question. Now, if you've got somebody with addiction in your life, the best and first thing you can do for them is maintain a civil, productive relationship with them where they can tell you anything and you can have conversations with them that don't escalate into, oh, you dumbass, just stop drinking, it'll all be fine, because that's not going to be helpful. Maintain a good civil relationship with the person, and then every chance you get, say to them, is there anything that you can explain to me? I really, really want to know. I want to know how this feels. I want to know what it's about. I want to know how it happens. Never ask why. Mm-hmm. Why will never get you a decent answer. How, what, when, great questions. Why, pointless. Mm-hmm. And then eventually they'll say something. I remember the day um, my son had a small breakthrough. He went, uh, I guess it's, you know, oh, I just, I'd like to get control of my money. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, wow, that's really different. That's a lot different than anything else I heard. And I just asked him about what controlling his money meant. And, of course, being in control of your money means you don't waste it on stuff. And he was, and in his own words, just wasting all his money on alcohol. Mm-hmm. So it began a conversation. And it would have been very easy at the time for me to say, okay, well, I'll set up a budget for you. I'll manage your money. But then I'm just taking all his responsibility away. I had to say things like, how are you going to do that? What what ideas have you got that you think could work? Why don't you try that one and see how it goes? And let him stay in charge of himself. Too often, especially with addiction, people go, oh, well, I'll, I'll hide all the alcohol. I won't, I won't let you go out after six o'clock at night. I won't, I'll, I'll do this to you. I'll do that to you. And what you're actually saying is to that person is, I don't trust you. You can't be trusted. You can't be responsible for your own behavior. And it just makes your addiction worse. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. And, and you're never going to be able to lock somebody down. Uh, 24 yeah. <laughs> hours a day, regardless of what no, uh, the COVID officials Good say. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to leave it at that. And here's a, a few quick words from our sponsors to keep the lights on. And we'll be back with David Moran after these messages. 
At Elders Insurance Adelaide East, our mission is to provide outstanding service and superior coverage to each and every one of our clients. With over 30 years of experience, we treat every client with mutual respect and understanding. We'll listen carefully to your specific needs and requirements in order to develop insurance solutions with a level of service and coverage you can't find anywhere else. Elders Insurance Adelaide East is a family-owned and run business with Italian tradition which is built on honesty, integrity and trust. Make an appointment today and go and see Tony and the team at Elders Insurance Adelaide East, 54 to 56 Kensington Road, Rose Park or telephone 8364 9477. We're an authorised representative of Elders Insurance, underwriting agency, Proprietary Limited, Elders Insurance, underwritten by QBE Insurance, Australia Limited. Did you know that Podcast City can record your podcast right here in the studios of Radio Italia Uno on our professional recording equipment? Podcast City can also come to your location with our mobile studio. We can record just your audio or work with you to plan, record, edit, and distribute your podcast to your audience. If you would like to find out more and receive a free podcast startup checklist or book a time to record your podcast, call Radio Italia Uno on 8212317 or go to podcastcity.com.au. Podcast City, podcasting the easy way. When you enter Chiera and Sons Fresh Market and Joanna's Kitchen, it feels just like home. This four-decade young, iconic South Australian business is situated in the Hollywood Plaza, Salisbury. For fresh fruit and veggies, see Tony and Frank and their wonderful staff offering the finest produce and fine foods. And specials last all year, like the Millel Pecorono cheese, just $15.99 per kilo when you buy the entire wheel. Support a family-owned business drop in to their Hollywood Plaza store or call 828-33-155. That's 828-33-15. Welcome to the family. Better, better for life. As your parents get older, at some stage it's likely they'll need your help. At Southern Cross Care, we'd love to help you help them. Our wide range of quality home care services are designed to take care of mum and dad, their health, home and even garden. We're compassionate, capable, police-checked and proudly South Australian. If you want the best home care for your parents, call 1800 852 772 or visit southerncrosscare.com.au Better, better, better for life. Hi, I'm David Heath. Join me each Saturday afternoon from 2pm until 5pm with Saturday Sports Scoreboard. No matter what your sports passion, we'll be covering it during our three hours together. I'll be crossing to various sporting events, we'll chat with your favourite sports stars and we'll take your calls. Every Saturday afternoon, 2 until 5, on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. promuovere la tua attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82 123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero uno.
Radio Italia 1. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We're here with David Moran, CEO of Mental Health Partners, an organization that trains companies as well as other organizations in mental health first aid. And in the few moments we have left, David, I'd like to ask you one more question, and that is... If you're somebody that's listening right now that has an addiction, be it alcohol or drugs or gambling or whatever, and you're sitting there going, gosh, I, I've got this big problem. I knew it's, I know it's ruining my life. I should do something, but I just can't get myself to do anything about it. How do you help them get to a point where they're going to take the steps they need to solve their problem? Yeah. So in our experience, Matt, there's sort of a couple of categories that people fall into. If they've been addicted to something for you know quite a, a serious while, quite often that, that category can be, I'm not worth helping, and that's just not true. Everybody has people out there who love them. Uh, another category that people can fall into is there's no help available, and that's not true either, and I'll give you some ideas in a second. And the last one is... It's all too hard. Now, that's a much more difficult problem to overcome because the truth is it is going to be difficult and there's no point lying to somebody about that. There's no point saying to somebody who's been addicted to a substance for 10 years and they suddenly say, actually, you know, I wonder if there's any help. And you say to them, oh, yeah, now you've said there's going to be help. You know, it's really going to be easy. We'll get you straight off the drone. That's not true. And it's not going to be helpful to say things like that. You've got to be honest with people and say, if you really want some help, I'm going to be there with you for this journey, if it's true. So everybody's got somebody out there who wants to help them. I've already given you one thing for people who are trying to help these people please contact an organisation like Family Drug Support. You just Google those three words. They'll come up. It's completely free. And it's 24 hours 7. So it doesn't matter what time of what day you might need support. You can get it from them. Educate yourself. Go and do some mental health first aid training. Go and do some substance misuse training. Find out what addiction is all about. And if you are the person who's saying, oh, there's no help available, there is help available. There's three services in Adelaide right now, south of Adelaide, central Adelaide, north of Adelaide, that are accepting people into support that they can give either at their service location or at home to help people get off their drugs or alcohol. And some of these services are absolutely free. Some of them cost small amounts of money, but they're all there waiting to help people right now. And there's lots of other services. There's phone-in services. There's text services. There's video services. There's group services. There's individual help services. So no matter what style the person is, if they think 
that the one-on-one help is going to be the one that's going to help them, they can get that. If they think, yeah, I'm going to need group therapy, they can get that. If they will get help by talking to people on the phone, those services are available. There's lots of help available. Too often I hear, oh, yeah, I'd do something, but it's it's such a long way to get in or there's no real help available or nobody will really understand me or nobody wants to work the way I work. And all of those things can be overcome. So, yeah, if anybody needs any of that information, they're welcome to look us up on our website, mentalhealthpartners.com.au, and we can supply them with lots of resources where they can go and get these sorts of helps today. Awesome. And, as I said, for free. Great. Most of these, yeah, most of these services are free. Yes, there are some places that you can go for drug or alcohol abuse that will cost you thousands of dollars. But that's not the only services available. There's lots of other services available. It all depends on the person. You might be the kind of person who only wants to text somebody. I can give you that service. You might be the type of person who wants to do group work. I can give you that service. And it won't cost you an arm and a leg. Fabulous. Well, remember to tune in next week at 7 p.m. Adelaide time for Change the World with Matt McQuinley. And as always, I will leave you with a motivational, inspirational, brief message. This young man was born the youngest of four. At eight years old, he wrote The Carol Burnett Show and said he should be given a role on the show because he was already an expert at making funny faces. He was absolutely thrilled when he got a form letter back. Not long after that, though, his family fell on hard times. They became homeless. After that, he actually lived in a tent for quite a while. Eventually, his dad got a job and things improved. At age 15, in lieu of rent, they got housing for free on the condition that he and his brother worked as janitors for a factory that owned an apartment building. His shifts were from 6 p.m. until 7 a.m. At the age of 15, he did his first comedy gig and he was booed off the stage. At 16, he dropped out of high school. At 17, he got his first paying gig. In 1980, he tried out for Saturday Night Live. He was rejected. At 19, he opened for a band, and he was booed off stage again. In 1981, Rodney Dangerfield took him under his wing. He tried out again for Saturday Night Live. Five years later, he was rejected again. The next year, he tried out for Saturday Night Live again. He was rejected again. But in 1990, he landed a role in a short-lived comedy series called In Living Color. Not long after that, he wrote himself a check for $10 million and he postdated it five years into the future. Now, at that time, of course, he had maybe $1.25 in his bank account, but he said to himself, five years from now, I'm going to cash this $10 million check. Three days before the date on the postdated check, he was told by his agent, he would get $10 million for Dumb and Dumber. 
That person, of course, is Jim Carrey. What do we learn from his story? Many things, but a few of them are, one, the power of a mentor, Rodney Dangerfield, and a little shameless promotion right now. I'm a business coach, consultant, and mentor, and of course, you can leave me a comment on our Facebook page, Change the World with Matt McQuinley, and perhaps I can help you. But even more important than a mentor was the fact that his family supported him even though they were broke as. Number two, we learn the power of focus, goal setting, and positive expectations. Remember, he wrote himself a check for $10 million. He put a specific date on it, and he carried it around with him at all times to keep himself focused. Number three, we learn not to listen to the naysayers. He was laughed off the stage multiple times. He was rejected by the show that all the up-and-comers get on. Three times he was rejected from Saturday Night Live. And of course, we also learn that there are two kinds of people in the world. There's the kind of person that isn't focused, who doesn't set goals, who isn't time-specific on their objectives, who doesn't think positive, and who listens to the naysayers. And then there's the other kind, who believes they can succeed, who sets time-specific goals, who ignores the naysayers, and puts forth the effort to succeed, who doesn't let disappointment deter them from realizing their dreams and accomplishing their goals. And as always, the real question is, which one are you?